0: What is up coaches? This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Attack Academy. Team Attack Academy is an online football development site for football players and coaches of all levels. It's the most powerful teaching tool introduced into the game today to raise the level of playing and coaching football. After using Team Attack Academy, your athletes and coaches will outplay, outwork, and outsmart their opponents, guaranteed. Go check them out at teamattackacademy.com. If you enjoy the podcast, the blog, or just love the play, then you're in luck. We've just added hoodies, long sleeve t-shirts, and stickers to the RTP store to go along with our t-shirts. Visit runthepower.com to get your RTP gear. On this episode of Run the Power, we talked with Jared and Clint Anderson. The Anderson brothers grew up in Allen, Texas, and both went on to start multiple years at the collegiate level across the offensive line. Most recently, Jared and Clint created and operate Anderson O-Line Academy. Anderson O-Line Academy trains offensive linemen looking to perfect their craft in both Texas and Oklahoma. The Andersons have also founded Lyman Performance Association, which looks to create equipment specific for offensive linemen in the weight room. Their best-selling product, the Soup Bone, is an attachment for a standard weightlifting bar to make landmine movements more specific to offensive linemen. Me and Wallace talked to the Andersons about Anderson O-Line Academy, them working with Charles Bentley, their current and future line of products at Lineman Performance Association, their careers as collegiate offensive linemen, what they look to work on with their athletes, and even a little bit about nutrition. Go to AndersonOlineAcademy.com to visit Anderson Online Academy, and LinemanPerformance.com to visit Lineman Performance Association. Hope you guys enjoy. <laughs> All right, we are live with the Anderson brothers. How you guys doing? Oh, we're good. Doing good. How are y'all? We're we're perfect. We got we got one one brother uh, at the station and and one driving to Arkansas, huh? Yeah oh,
1: yeah. oh yeah. Both working.
2: You guys going to pick up some soup bones or what?
1: <laughs> no, we're, we we both have them with us. So if you need one, we'll uh. We we can get you
0: one. You know where we can find one, huh? Oh,
1: yeah.
0: yeah, we got 'em we, we got 'em uh we got one at, at Broken Arrow. It, it's awesome, man. The kids the kids really love it. I remember, um, Clint, we were talking about it this summer. You were talking about trying to uh figure something out and weld together. I couldn't even understand what you're talking about hardly. And then uh um you look here a few months ago it seems like and, and everything kind of blew up and you're in uh, at college at colleges and pro teams and high school teams all around all around the state and I'm sure in Texas as well uh, how how all that work out how did it blow up so
1: fast oh um, I wouldn't say blow up I mean we're uh we're having a good time with it and, and uh slowly rocking and rolling with it but it was just an idea and and we kind of um, brainstormed on it. And, you know, it's crazy from where it started to what it is now. Uh, it, it, we kind of laugh about it, but, um, really just, it started off being just strictly for offensive linemen. Uh, you know, uh, the, the way it sets you, uh, on your punch, uh, it's pinkies in, thumbs out. and it cranks your elbows in, and, and it, it sets you in good form for linemen. And then we decided, well, let's make it detachable to where we can, uh, you know, not only sell to linemen but to different people as well. And and, and that's what we're in the process of right now is getting into strength coaches and uh, and getting their feedback on, on what different uh, accessories and handles they want for it but it's been fun it's real cool to it's it's cool to see it in uh you know kids' hands teams um you know using their off-season program um just you know what it can do and what um you know wishing that we had something like it when we were playing you know just something in the weight room you know that would take us to the next level as as uh, offensive line athletes. So um, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see it everything uh, come to fruition for us.
0: I'll, I'll tell you the and, biggest and really thing. go ahead. Go ahead. Nah, well, I was gonna, I say, was gonna uh, say, uh, say the, the say. biggest the biggest thing at Broken Arrow. It, it seems like to me is is the kids just enjoy mm-hmm. that the offensive line have something just for them. I mean, the other kids use it. Defensive line uses it too, but it seems cool that it was made for offensive linemen and that, you know, that seems pretty exciting to the guys.
1: Right. Right. And, and yeah, that's, you know, go ahead, Jared. Oh, that, you know, that's just what we're all about. You know, the, the offensive line, because there hasn't been that much for the big boys, you know, um, plenty of stuff for all those, the fresh air boys out there, but nothing for the, the big boys in the trenches. So, you know that's what we're trying to change is is um you know getting getting more big boys involved in different things getting them uh more exposure and then you know obviously the the equipment that we're we're building for them
0: now when you guys created this is it something you're looking to create something for offensive line and you're searching and you finally figured hey we'll use this or was it um I know you guys are pretty active active and fit um Fit guys, so or was it just something that you guys were working out and were like, "Hey, I think we could just add this into a different shape, and it would help us." And then that kind of built built into making them for offensive linemen.
1: Oh, it was pretty much me and Jared were training a kid, and uh, we we're just thinking of different, you know, what's not out there for linemen. Uh, you know, everything's tapered around. Uh, skilled positions, and, and, you know, we we both are, uh, you know, we grew up lifting weights with our dad, and he's a big weight lifter, and, and uh, so we love the weight room, but, you know, there's not a lot in the weight room that transfers over, uh, you know, the one thing that we, that we grew up with at Allen that we're fortunate is a jammer machine, you know, jammers are huge uh, machines, and they cost a lot of money, but uh, we're looking to get that same type of explosive explosive movement uh but uh you know now you got it with a you know with your your pinkies in and thumbs out uh and it's a lot cheaper and a lot smaller and you can take it anywhere uh but just to create that uh kind of gap between the weight room and the field um, and get something for these guys for explosive movement that's what we're going after yeah um, you know Charles Bentley's been a huge inspiration for us you know all the, the awesome equipment that he's put out there you know that's that's changing the the offensive line world and um, you know we, we just thought we could do our part as well and um, just to progress the position and um, you know make everybody a little bit better as offensive lineman
2: now both both you guys went down to his uh, facility in phoenix Can you guys talk a little bit about that trip maybe some of the stuff you learned some of the motivation you guys got because i know a lot of our listeners would probably die to go listen to him talk so if you guys could impart some knowledge that'd be awesome
1: yeah it, it was an incredible experience for us um you know uh, truly a class act from the day we got there to the time we left. It's, um, a very, very professional. Everything is just, I mean, what, what you see in the pictures and the videos is exactly, you know, what you see in real life when you get there. And, um, you know, LaCharles is, his passion and drive for the offensive line position is just incredible. And it just feeds off everyone else. Um you know, that that's a part of OLP. And uh it was just an incredible experience. He um showed us a lot of stuff, um that we were able to take, you know, back to our um offensive line athletes to train. Um but we'd love to go back and um, see everything again. I mean he he is just an incredible guy and um just what he's doing for the the offensive line position is is truly um remarkable. So Really, really awesome experience.
0: I saw that he was putting on that, that clinic that you guys went to, and I just kept looking and seeing. You know, I knew it was geared towards uh, to help out some companies that, you know, like your guys that were working with offensive alignment, and I just kept thinking, all right, what's the angle here? What's, what's he doing to try to make money off of this? What's he doing to try to get something out of it? And um, from everything I can tell, it's just a guy that really – loves offensive line and, and really wants to grow um, the offensive line position is what it seemed like to me.
1: Yeah, you're 100% right. It was just get, get everyone together. Hey, let's uh, – the position has been pretty stagnant, you know, historically over the past, you know, however many years. So, you know, let's get together and, and really push and, and work together to – to progress offensive linemen and make them them better. Um, So, yeah, it was 100% just, you know, networking and and growing as um, offensive line coaches. It it was awesome.
0: I saw you guys also have the torque wheel, uh, which is in, um, it looks like it's coming soon on your website. What what do we have to look forward to with the torque wheel, hopefully having a broken arrow pretty soon? What's that look like, and and what are you guys using that for?
1: the torque wheel is 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 an anti-rotational uh, product we've developed. Um, it's it locks you in in that 45 degree position, and uh, you're able to you know train your core. It's it's been really the, the biggest thing I see in it is it it gives you the feeling of when you lock up with a guy uh, in pass pro. Uh, and maybe he's trying, you know, say you got a four eye and you're powering down on him and he's trying to go one way and your body's not trying to go. you get that core work that you can't get out of a crunch, uh, that lineman need. And uh, I don't know. I'll I'll just have to show it to you, but there's a bunch of stuff you can do with it. Um, We've kind of redesigned it. you can get fancy with it. We'll put, you know, your name engraved in the middle of it, but really it's, it, it, it works the hell out more. Um, you know, you can do it with somebody or by yourself. Um, but that's pretty much, uh, it's, it's built to, to get your core stronger and not just through a crunch, but it, everything we build we want to uh have it apply to the field and, and it it really works you good.
0: That seems really important. Well, have, that's um, something that's something that Walls has always talked about and something that I think the, the coaches that you know are, are not as good yet as offensive line coaches neglect a lot of the times because uh, their linemen aren't you know, we're not they're not we're not flat bellies, but um a lot of times those offensive linemen that, that end up being really good are, are these linemen with, uh, you know, amazing core strength. And it's something that, like you just said, I, you can't – you almost can't get that unless you're doing it. So if that's what the torque wheel brings, I'm sure it, it'll be great and it'll be another way just to uh, maximize, you know, their
2: core ability. As, as you guys are, are training these kids, and I know you guys are developing these things, are, are these kind of remedies for – you know, major deficiencies that you're seeing in kids, uh, in the offensive linemen, in the development of offensive linemen? Is that one of the reasons why you guys are doing this? And and maybe then kind of expand on what are some of the deficiencies you see with these kids as you guys train them? Because I know you guys got a a wide range of kids, you know, ranging from really, really young all the way up to college kids.
1: I'll start out with some of the deficiencies that we do see, and that's, um, you know, guys that can't do a bodyweight lunge, They can't get out of a lunge position, Um, you know, stuff like that. Really, a really weak core. Maybe they can bench, you know, a ton of weight, but they have no no core to connect, you know, um, that that ground to to the upper body. So, um, yeah, obviously the uh, a core, and then um, you know, we'll we'll get guys and um, you know, kind of in our initial observation stage just um you know see what they can do if they can't do a a a a body weight lunge then you know we'll work on that for a few sessions because you know obviously you're in a a lunge type position you know every every single place you know you're using your adductors um your bmo muscle on your leg that um to work on putting force to the ground and and squeezing everything together But yeah, we do see a lot of deficiencies and, and, and a lot of the, the, the stuff that we're developing and the stuff, um, you know, that um, Latrell's Bentley at OLP um, stresses, you know, we incorporate into our our lessons with our guys for sure. You know, what, what it comes down to on, on our side of things, training the high school kids, is, uh, you know, high school coaches and the high school strength coaches – only have a certain amount of time to work stuff. Uh, we, we try to hit the stuff that these coaches don't have time to work for. Uh, and, and that's a lot of uh, core strength, and that's a lot of one-legged movements, uh, stability work, and, and just little things that will take you from being a good player to a great player. And, uh, and really, we want to work, uh we most of the coaches you know we help out and and, and their players we train uh we're in, we're in contact with them on on what they need help with uh with their crew and uh and yeah we we try to uh look at their weaknesses and like Jared said it's usually their core uh a lot of the times and, and 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 uh you know different single leg movements uh, and ankle stabilization and all that, and usually they're tight too. So uh, you know, we'll that that's a big uh, emphasis uh, in our training is 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 stretching them and and getting them mobile because uh, you know a lot a lot of these guys are really really tight. That's what I see.
0: Well, well, coming from an offensive line coach, I I, I completely agree. You just you only get so much time with these kids, and if you're at a bigger school. You know they're working out for whatever it is an hour and a half, two hours, and you know you don't want to have them in an off season any longer than that. You want them to be able to get away from it once they work out uh, at your facility. But there's so much more you want to be able to work with that you just don't have time to. So, um, how has your guys' interaction been with coaches? Have they been, for the most part, um, you know, supportive of their kids going to you guys? I know I've had a few players go uh, train with you, Clint, and I, and I loved it. You know any those guys wanted more football I was all about it how how have uh coaches that you guys have worked with their players how have they responded to you guys um
1: all, all of our coaches have been great so far um you know like, like we said we we come out as an avenue for our coaches and uh you know we uh we haven't had any trouble Jared have you had any a lot of trouble in Texas at all no no not at all um you know, we we stress to all our kids that your team, your coaches, that's number one. Um, we never come before, before any of that. Um, you know, we're, we're a supplement to your team and your strength and conditioning program. So, um, you know, a, a little extra work just because, you know, like you all said, the coaches don't have, you know, that much time to really really break break a lot of the skilled stuff down and you know as y'all know there's there's a whole lot to it um being an offensive lineman so um now the coaches have been have been awesome for us
2: i think not only that too i mean a lot of them have so many rules they got to follow they can't have you know X amount of contact with these kids during the week, so when they can find guys like you that they trust to be in communication with with them and the strength coaches, I, I don't I don't see why any coach wouldn't use you guys as a resource. Would you guys agree?
1: Oh yeah, you know, and we're not we know they're working their ass off in off season, um, and you know we know the season is hard on their bodies and their joints. So, you know, none of the stuff that we do is really, um, you know. Heavy impact on their bodies. You know, we use uh, the strike sticks. You know, which is gets that 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 muscle memory of um, you know striking without the the heavy use of their joints. Um, so a lot of the stuff is just developing those movement patterns. You know, over and over and over, so that when they do get the pads back on, you know, it, it it's second nature and they don't you know revert back to to their old ways but um yeah it's uh you know everything's pretty low impact and we you know we work on little things the, the little muscles the little stabilizers everything that that um you know some coaches they just don't have time to work on during off season and stuff that was
0: the that was the coolest part for me to see was um how low impact it was uh, clint when when you got to work with some of my guys just you know it was in in the dog days of summer and and the guys still wanted to keep you ah. out there because you guys aren't killing them you're like you said, you're working on little muscles that they just don't have time to do because we're working you know big picture stuff trying to get them ready for um you know a team game where you guys can kind of go in get an hour where it's it's not as um you know I don't want to say up tempo but it's not as as stressful and you guys get to really pick apart and you've got the kids that are there that that they do want to truly get better and work on their craft and so you just take a little bit of time with them and and tweak the little things that they need
1: yeah and it's uh it's the The best part about it is just getting those guys together, you know, that, that brotherhood, that unity and, um, you know, seeing these kids, the, the smiles on their face and just how much they enjoy it. Being out there together as, as that, that group, that O-line, that unity is, uh, is pretty incredible. And it's, it's really fun to be out there, you know, and we always, at the end of our sessions, we always do some sort of, you know, competition. Um, it's usually grip, grip strength related, and and they always have a real good time with that. Um, so that that's really cool to see. You know, and and that's what it's all about. That's what we love about offensive line, the, that that brotherhood. And um, so just just to see that uh, in these kids is is awesome.
0: You guys have mentioned a couple times different LaCharles Bentley equipment that you guys use, and, and I've seen you guys use different different parts of it. What – if you guys could – we're talking to a coach and he could only afford one LaCharles Bentley thing, um, and then he was going to buy the soup bone, obviously, from you guys uh, in the weight room. What would be the one LaCharles Bentley piece of equipment that you would say that's the number one thing you should go get that coach?
1: I, I don't know. Clint may have a different answer, but I would say uh, – his past pro plate and that's because it gets away from the thinking of the kick slide and gets you thinking of the drive catch Um, because you can't kick slide on that plate and it really enforces driving with that up leg rather than you know the momentum based of the kick slide it's, it's really changed my thinking and in, in the way that, um, you know, I understand pass protection now. So, um, it's, it's a simple plate, you know, on the slides on the ground, but um, it's, it's genius and truly it's, it's an incredible device that, um, you know, r- really helps develop that drive catch pass pro phase. Yeah, I I'd say the same thing. Um, you know, you you can take a kid that's real raw, um, and go through a uh, progression with that with him and uh and, and you can almost see a click in their head on how they uh uh you know, how it's supposed to be and how it's supposed to feel how you're supposed to keep that knee in inside your toe there or that board won't move and how you're supposed to drive off uh you know inside of that front foot and, and, and they really feel it and uh and yeah that, that's I mean you really see it clicked on them and and it it you you gotta do it right or it won't work. We may we may change our mind when we get his sled though. That thing's badass. We're he, hoping to have a couple of them at each of our facilities by the end of the summer or by the beginning of the summer. Is that that really changes your the run blocking uh, aspects of O line training?
0: I've heard drive catch a lot. I haven't got to uh, study it enough, but I I, I kind of get you know you drive off that front foot. Are they still – does he still teach keeping the weight off on that front foot, the majority of your weight on that front leg um, to stay balanced? Or, or how does he – how does he – how does he or how do you guys no, teach
1: that? Um, always 50-50 weight distribution. That's, that's um, what he, he teaches and then that's, that's what we, we believe in too. Um, just always having an equal weight distribution. Um, Throughout the entire uh, pass set, and that's what the pass pro play will will really reinforce that as well because it won't it won't move unless you know you have equal weight distribution.
0: I know you guys have small group sessions. Um, you've got it in in Oklahoma and Texas. Is that right? Yes. How has how has that been um, for you guys? You know, I'm sure you guys are pretty close. You seem really close as brothers. How's it been? having to be split up, have one in, in Oklahoma and one in Texas, and, and kind of, um, you know, split up that way. But is, is it nice, though, in another way that you guys get to influence, you know, both kids in Texas and, and Oklahoma kids?
1: Yeah, it's it's nice. Uh, you know, we're, we're in constant contact on the phone uh, before and after our sessions and, uh, you know, what drills we did, what drills we like, what we need to do better, um, and you know, it's uh, it's pretty cool to cover two states, uh, teaching uh, kids, you know, on technique, and uh, you know, going from we started it in North Texas, and Jared kept that thing going, and this year I've I've uh, you know. Cranked up in Oklahoma, and th- those kids are enjoying it. But,
0: uh, yeah, that's that's. Fun. Jared, you had, that's a pretty interesting story. Your story coming out, um, right? Didn't you played, started playing baseball, um, in college at, at Tyler Junior College, and then ended up walking on and playing in football and then becoming a three year starter? How, how did that work for you, and, and what was that like, uh, going through that big change?
1: Yeah, I, um, I played baseball in high school, um, I was a big kid, um, a little undersized. Uh, I kind of grew into my body a little later into life. But, you know, I enjoyed baseball. Um, Played a couple years of baseball at Tyler Junior College. I was a pitcher. And then just uh, really regretted not playing football. Um, So did two years out there and said, screw it. I got to do it now. if I'm going to do it. So um, went to a bunch of you know, smaller D2 schools, um, even some D3, you know, just saying, Hey, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I've, I've never played, but I'm willing to to work hard for you. Um, so just give me a shot and, um, uh, coach at a Southeastern, um, coaches at Southeastern are willing to give me a shot. Uh, my O-line coach, uh, coach Joe Jones, you know, saw something in me and, uh, you know, I worked my ass off and, uh, ended up doing real well, something I should have been doing all along, but it just became an obsession to me and, um, you know, never looked back, you know, who, who knows what would have happened if I would have played in high school, but, um, I, I love where I'm at now and what I'm doing. So hopefully I can, um, you know, pass that passion, that drive to, to all the kids that I train, um, and make, make an impact in their lives. That's so a crazy, it, that's a crazy a, story. It wasn't easy, you know, never, never playing and then, you know, just walking on, you know, not knowing what I'm doing, having to watch the guy next to me say I'll put my damn pads on, but um, stuck <laughs> with it and really glad I did. So, and the other thing was just seeing Clint, seeing Clint play, you know, he was, he was a badass O-lineman um, Meanest dude I've ever seen in my life. Probably because I beat him up every day growing up. But uh, you know that—that's seeing him play and dominating the line. You know, really, really drove me to 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 be the best that I could. You know, um, working through the summers and stuff. But yeah, um, really happy for all my experiences at, at Southeastern and and the the chances that uh, the coaches there gave me.
2: I say I I got to agree with with Jared. I mean, I got to see Clint play firsthand the the one year I was at Tulsa and and Clint probably doesn't know it, but I, I learned a lot of of offensive line, you know, from from Denver, but I learned a ton of stuff from Clint because Clint was a very observant player, uh, a very smart player. He understood, you know, h- how to scout kids, how to how to handle defensive linemen that may be, you know, a little bit quicker, a little bit bigger than him. But just to, to watch his technique and, and his approach to, to things, it really made an impact me as, as a coach. And uh, I wanted to ask Clint, because I know Rowdy had, had said in the last podcast, you know, he had to play for four different O-line coaches. I know Clint had to play for a bunch of different ones, too. So what was that like? You know, how did you have to kind of change your game and change your mentality, you know, to, to continue to be a, a four-year starter?
1: I had three. Uh, they were all really good coaches. Uh, thank God. Um, you know, each coach has their own little way uh, to get you going. Um, but it wasn't too bad. You know, the, the transition between Coach Hand and Spencer Leftwich, uh, both of those guys are are, are technicians. Um, they're all about technique. And Denver Johnson, same thing. Um, but really, our unit, uh, you know, I, I played next to Tyler Holmes uh he's the best lineman in canadian football league um and it's 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 pretty easy uh to transition when you when you got a guy like that playing next to you but yeah i'm 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 thankful I had uh three damn good ones that were my coaches and not not some uh clown but...
0: yeah that that makes it nice um you, you know there's a million ways to skin a cat but it, was there ever you know, I'm sure each of these, you know, like you said, great offensive line coaches had a little bit different technique for um, a bunch of different things. Was there any that uh, would they let you you know, keep some stuff from an old coach as long as it worked, or, or did they kind of make you, even though you were a two- or three-year starter uh, when they got you, did they kind of want you to go over and do everything the way they wanted it?
1: Oh, Denver Johnson uh, tried to change my stance up a little bit. Uh, we buttheaded. little bit on that but uh other than that not 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 too much that I can remember hell I've been hitting the head too many times but I I I really can't remember them getting too anal about changing a lot of stuff on technique
0: what was uh do you remember what were some of the like I know we've been hitting the head a bunch like you just said so um it's difficult for me to remember as well but do you remember some of the, the best defensive linemen that, that you went up against in your, in your career at, at Tulsa? Maybe even not big-name guys, just guys that seemed to somehow uh, get after you that game?
1: <laughs> um, you know, my buddies joke with me, you know, Jake Alexander and, and a lot of those guys, they don't, they don't really uh, – they always say, well, you know, we'll be watching – Uh, they'll be watching the NFL game and and they'll say, Hey, you know, you you played that guy. You remember, you remember him? And I'm like, no, not really. You know, there's a lot of guys that were, and and really undersized guys uh, would give me hell more than, uh, you know, the big 350 pound guys. Um, But I I wasn't a real, I wasn't worried about big name guys. Uh, But uh, you know, the, the one the one guy that gave me hell uh was a guy from Rice uh and you know he he brought it every damn game, every damn play uh, i i had him all game and uh, he uh he, i mean he 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 brought it every play i i don't remember his name um you know he's probably someone's boss now but um, he's <laughs> He's uh he was a go getter. Uh and of course, you know, I mean hell you know, we we played OU, OSU and Boise State and I think they were all top five, so I imagine there are some good linemen uh, you know, in, in those teams, but I, I couldn't tell you the name.
0: I'm sure. Um that my first sack was given up to a guy at Rice, the defensive end. It was his senior year. It might have been the same guy, I don't I don't know either, but um uh, they did have – they had a really good one uh, defensive end there for a few years that was just – got after it and, and never stopped. I mean, he never quit. And the scariest part, when, when this – it was my first sack to ever give up. I was a freshman, but um, he made the sack. His, all of his team started freaking out, and they were going crazy. And he just walked back to the defensive huddle like it was just something that he did every day. Didn't faze him. And, and that was probably the best smack talk that anyone's ever done. Um, nothing else has ever affected me, but that, just seeing that he was used to that was um, a
2: little unnerving.
1: Yeah. I,
2: I'm, I was going to say, I remember that was the first thing Clint would ask me. He's like, all right, well, Walls, give me the scouting report. So he wanted to know the, the two guys inside. He'd be like, how tall are they? If I said like 6'5 or 6'6, six, six, he's like, oh, you don't even have to tell me anymore. He just instantly knew that guy's probably pretty lazy or he can't move very well. I'll be underneath him all night. But if you but if I was like ah he's about six foot and he's like, Oh crap. Does he play really hard? I goes yeah, he plays really hard. Oh crap, man, it's gonna be a long day. So that was one of the things I I take it from Clint. He's like, hey, when you find the undersized dudes that play really, really hard, th- those are the guys that you're gonna have to worry about. He's like the guys that, that look pretty and are six five, six, six. Usually didn't have to worry about him. You go into a game, he was right ninety nine times out of hundred.
1: And that's why Clint got drafted or not drafted, but that's why Clint got recruited by Tulsa, not because of his size, but just how hard he worked every single play and, and just got after dudes all game long and just wore him out. It didn't matter if the dude was in a wheelchair. He was going to plant his ass on his back every single play, you know, and it just – it was incredible to watch.
2: You think the mullet intimidated people too?
1: <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Probably not. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> You got to – if you got a mullet, you, you're going to be hard, you know.
0: <laughs> I think you have to be. There's no other choice. You
1: have to be. You have okay. to be hard.
0: Clint, you were a, a, a two-year team captain, uh, you know, as an offensive lineman, which it doesn't happen very often at college. What do you think um, – obviously you don't know maybe, but what do you think that your teammates saw in you or, or looked up to you um, and, and wanted to name you captain uh, two years?
1: Uh, you know, I, I really don't know, uh, I don't know why. Um, you know, I, I always, uh, just kind of wanted to leave by example. Um, I was never a raw, raw guy, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I was I always tried to be the, you know, the first one in the weight room, uh, the last one to leave. Um, you know, if, if, there was a problem, you know, I, I i try to fix it behind the scenes and not in front of a group of people. Um but I, I, I don't know why well, I was managing captain but I I uh, just some of the qualities I I hang my hat on is, is just just being uh, kind of personable with the eyes and, and if if there's a problem somewhere I I try to I try to fix it behind the scenes and not uh you know, not out in the open. But. Well, you, you, both of you guys
0: are, you know, we're linemen, offensive linemen, now both uh, fit guys, which is any offensive lineman's dream. Uh, how long did that take you guys? Was it, was it, was it right after you got done playing? Um, I'm hoping it took you a few years. It'll make me feel a little bit better about myself. But uh, did it take you guys a few years, or is it something you knew as soon as you were done you wanted to, to shed all the extra weight?
1: Well... You either go one or the other way, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly and right. Well, will see you I, guys go both.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I had to eat like a – you know, I had to eat freaking crazy to even keep weight. Uh, you know, a lot of the times, I, you know, Sean Griswold, our strength coach, had to lie about my weight so the coaches wouldn't get mad at him. You know, I, I played a lot. A lot of games at 270, 272, but um, for me, I couldn't wait to uh, get the weight off. Um, and you know, me and a couple buddies would go to the, you know, weight room and and just try to eat a little better. I mean, it going from eating like a slob to just eating sort of good. You know, you lose quite a bit of weight, but for me, I I, I couldn't wait to lose what weight because i was i was kind of uh i felt miserable but uh both of us have grown up in the weight room i mean our dad is um an incredible guy we both really look up to um he's he's stayed incredible shape his whole life and our mom as well so it's just a natural you know a natural progression for us we're always in the weight room we're always lifting um i went straight into the fire academy pretty much after my last football game. And, uh, you know, like Clint, I've had to – I had to work to keep the weight on, too, so I dropped all the way down to, like, 220. They had us running, like, seven miles a day and stuff. But I most recently got up to about 290 again, and so I had to recheck myself. So it was 298. 298. uh, Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I had about eight pounds of clothes on, but, yeah, I had kind of – we had promotional <laughs> exams and stuff, so I let myself go a little bit. But, um, I've recently, recently been intermittent fasting, and that's pretty uh, if you ever get a chance to look some research on, uh, on that, it's pretty wild and it makes a lot of sense. And I've been doing that with some real positive results. So, Rowdy, Rout, what have you been soon. doing? You look like a string bean, man.
0: I'm down to two, I was 242 today.
1: Wow. So.
0: I was down a bunch. I actually—that's funny you say that. I got into uh, intermittent fasting, like you said. So I go, I wake up um, around 5:30, and I go work out up at the weight room, and shower, and then go to class, and then I don't eat till 11, which is when we get to lunch as teachers. Uh, then I'll have some almonds through the day after that, uh, and then come home at six and and eat dinner, and and that's my my feed window, and then go to bed and, and don't eat again until the next day at 11. And like you said, it's been great for me. As soon as I cut out uh, carbs, um, all my cravings and stuff kind of went down and, you know, didn't drink any soda, no, didn't drink any calories. We went water and coffee and, and did the intermittent fasting and, and all all the meats and proteins that I could handle. And, it you know, it really just fell off. It was, it was pretty amazing.
1: It's hard to tell yourself not to eat a meal you know for 30 plus years we've eaten three meals a day every single day so it's but it it works I I believe in it Um, you know me and my wife are um, she's great athlete she keeps me motivated and uh, she's in real good shape so I got to keep up with her too so um, it all works out really good
0: well, to me, it, was, it went against kind of everything that I'd ever been taught. Like, even when I'd heard you want to lose weight, then everything I've ever been taught for 25 years was uh, wake up, eat breakfast, eat every two hours so you never get hungry, and eat rice and chicken. And yeah. so, you know, that, that's how I'd always thought. That's how you got to lose weight. And I'd done it before and lost a little bit of weight during college, and it was miserable, but I did lose the weight. Um, but not until I kind of started researching this and I found it on a podcast on a few podcasts, but and doing this and you know, now I'm eating steak and pork steak, so cheap steak, but I'm eating steak and chicken and cheeseburgers without the buns every day. And so I'm loving what I'm eating. And, and like I said, just falling right off. So it's been, uh, one of the best things that I've done, uh, for weight loss is just going on the all meat diet,
1: you know, talking about diet, uh, You know, we, we try to, uh, implement that to our players too on, you know, not like us losing weight, but, uh, eating clean, um, gaining good weight and not sloppy weight. Uh, but that's, that's just, I just wanted to throw that in there. That's, that's, I've been pushing that to my guys in Oklahoma is, uh, you know, it's okay to gain weight and, and. Get up and, and be heavy and, and put uh, more weight on your frame, but let's do it the right way uh, and not be sloppy. You know the days of the fat, fat-ass 350-pound linemen are over, man. Uh, you got to be, uh you know, athletic and uh, big, strong, and and, and you can't uh, block these 280-pound guys that are running 4640s. Um, being a fat ass, but that's uh, I just want to throw that in there. Do you
0: guys make meal plans for your athletes or do you just kind of give them like a, a basic outline of what they should and shouldn't be eating?
1: No, we don't make a, a meal plan or anything for them. Yeah, just we, – we just try to talk about it and, and, you know, kind of give them some knowledge on, you know, what's good and what's bad and, you know, what we think uh, would be good for them and, you know – you know, most kids don't know what's good, and what's bad, you know, what's a good carb, what's a bad carb. And, um, but, no, we don't do any, any, any type of supplemental stuff.
0: Something that I heard Walls always say when he was at Broken Arrow and I laughed at it because I thought he was just kind of being funny and had no basic basis behind it and he was just saying it just because uh, he liked it was, you know, he'd tell the guys that needed to, get bigger, get stronger. He'd, he'd tell him, red meat. Hey, eat some red meat, go get a steak and, and put a steak on top of it and eat some more red meat. And I always just, <laughs> I found it funny and just thought, Oh yeah, eat steak, eat red meat. Uh, and then I was doing some research a few months ago, and it actually, red meat uh, boosts testosterone as well. So, right. Work out, you eat red meat, um, especially, you get some of that protein, but that red meat as well, and it, it boosts the testosterone that your body makes um, naturally. So, I don't know, Walls. I don't know if you knew that or if it was just a shot in the dark. But, uh, <clears throat> Har- but Harper, works. you'd be
2: amazed at all the stuff that I know, man. Come on now. Been around the block. <laughs> I think it was a guess, but but you
0: were exactly right, and it, it you know, the science is backing it up, and, and the science has kind of changed in the last few years uh, of what we know, just like I said, it was changing before, uh, along for a while, when I was growing up, it was stay away from uh, fats and cholesterol, and that's what's going to give you heart disease and kill you, and it's kind of coming out a little bit more now, and um, it depends on the scientist, but... Um, that it, it's really not that bad for you as long as you stay away from sugars, uh, you, and and you're not unlucky genetically, then you know um, that the cholesterol and the and the meat and stuff, as long as you cook it well, isn't isn't what's going to harm
1: you. Oh yeah, the the sugar is is uh, destroying us, man. If you feel bad about yourself, research some. Some of the stuff on how how bad sugar is on us, um, you know what the progressive um, things that they're doing now to, about how how that is just killing us, you know. So staying away from sugar is huge. Uh, we we tell all our guys that, you know, number one.
0: And it seems like it's hidden. I mean, it seems like hidden in almost everything. You you don't think yeah. that it's in certain things, and then oh, it's it's high fructose corn, corn syrup, and you figure out that's you know, just a different way to put sugars in there. And it's just, just a ton of sugars or, you know, and and you wouldn't even think of of certain things that have sugars in them. And then, like you said, you do some research on sugar and it, it, you know, it's an inflammatory and it it does all this stuff that just wrecks your body. And and it's something that we give as a treat, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy.
1: Yeah. I read, I read an article and, um, Compared uh, sugar, to razor blades running through your bloodstream, so that was pretty pretty wild to me. It really hit home, so that was pretty cool. I'm still gonna eat ice cream, by the way. <laughs> yeah, see you, you guys, you guys are just Hell making
2: yeah. me hungry, man. You guys are sitting here talking about sugar. Let, let's 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 get off the Rachel Ray stuff and let's get back to yeah. <laughs> to some running the power. Uh, oh, if, yeah. you, uh, you guys. I know we sent you out a questionnaire. You guys had both said. Um, your number one drills for run blocking and pass blocking would be doing drive catch from one knee. Uh, wh- why would you guys say that for, for both of those
1: reasons? Once you realize that, you know, if if we want to go left at any angle, you know, we have to first think about that impulse from our right foot putting force through the ground, and that's um, another the Charles Bentley principle, putting – force through the ground and the more force you can put through the ground the more power you can deliver on your your track so once that kind of clicked with us it was like oh my god that makes so much sense and then putting the athlete you know on one leg really reinforces that movement to to drive off that opposite foot rather than just you know reach or take steps with the, the, the foot and the intended direction you're, you're trying to go. Um, and it also builds those, those leg muscles necessary, you know, to complete that, that drive catch through that, through that track. So, um, once that all started clicking with us, you know, um, it was like, Oh my God, this, you know, the light, um, the clouds parted and the sun shined through, and it was like, oh, my God, this makes total sense now.
2: I, I completely agree. I, I couldn't agree more. It's it's one of the things I've started doing with a lot of our guys. And, and honestly, there's been other positions where I've had to do some of the same, and it's been awesome. And then I know, Clint, um, you, you were one of the best pass pro one-on-one guys I had watched. So I'd always watch a lot of your reps and a lot of your film. And you'd said, you know, pass pro one-on-ones is one of the best pass blocking drills you can do. There's a lot of guys out there that think, you know, one-on-ones are overrated. Why do you think they have such a good benefit?
1: Uh, you know, I think it has the best benefit for linemen because it's a it's a D-line, you know, it's built to have D-linemen win. Uh, to them, it's third and 47, and they can pin their ears back and, and open their books, open their, uh, you know – book of uh, the baddest moves they got, and 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 you're you're just sitting there, you know, telling them, hey, we're passing the ball. Let's see what you got. Uh, of course, that's not what they're going to be like in the game. After the third quarter, they're huffing and puffing, and you know, most of the game, you know, first, second down, uh, they don't know if it's pass or run a lot of the times. But it, I just say that because it gives you their best move uh you know they're they're full tilt boogie and and it's it's you against them right then i know I, I hated it as a lineman i know a lot of linemen hate it and and personally i would i i don't know if i would do it in a lot of these camps um uh, because it, it doesn't give the offensive lineman a true uh chance but uh As a coach, uh, you know, high school level, college level, hell yeah, one-on-ones are great because it it puts you in the worst spot you're going to be in. And that's with a defensive end that's, you know, like I said, 280, that can give you the bull rush or speed rush. um, That has 75 moves he can pull on you. Um, And and, and you never know which one it is. So if, if you can block him there, you can block him anywhere.
0: I was just going to say, I'm with you with the uh, um, with the camps. You know, it seems like it's almost a detriment to some of these offensive line with no pads on to do one-on-ones. But um, from one of our first episodes, Walls talked about um, how important it was to him to do these one-on-one reps, and he would split it up. And that's probably what we've had the most comments on was coaches wanting to learn from, you know, splitting up guards and centers to do one-on-ones and tackles to do ones, one-on-ones when we have pads on for that reason that you just talked about of, of just getting better by doing it against the defense lineman's best move. And now you get into a game and it's the third quarter or they think it's a run or, you know, they don't know. And so it just gets easier um, from right. having to do it being put at a disadvantage.
1: We're seeing this um, camp culture and – uh you know, especially in a lot of the younger offensive linemen, um, you know, they're doing one-on-ones without pads on and that we're really, we really don't like that. You know, it's not a realistic. it can show you a few things here and there, um, but having, you know, one-on-ones with, with no pads on, um, it's, it's getting a little, little out of control kind of, to be honest with you. Well, hell, if you're a D-lineman and, and you get your ass beat one time, you're going to turn it to a bull rush the next time. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, you don't have pads on and You know you're going to win the bull
2: rush. Do you think then, you know, you get these guys that bull rush, I mean, is, is that when now maybe you're like, well, piss on it, I'm just going to work on my, my jump set or my quick set, you know, and, and maybe almost make it more like a, a pass, you know, play action pass or something like that. I mean, was that something you'd do to, to maybe combat it or try to neutralize it?
1: uh punch somebody in the throat, and that usually stops that pretty quick, but uh I know you can't do that at these uh camps, but yeah, hell implement the the jump set but i mean you're just gonna get kids hurt uh you know nose is broken, and stuff like that i just i just wouldn't uh I just wouldn't do one on ones at these these uh recruiting camps uh I just think it's a disadvantage, it's just not not there and not giving a good look.
0: I think when we're in pads, I think it's there's a fine line between, you know, you do want a kid to compete, so you don't want to say, hey, don't go out there and try to win. But also there's a time, especially if it's an older kid and it's halfway through the season, where I'd kind of like the kid to not care as much about winning and and get to experiment, like you just said, walls with maybe some different sets that they can add to the repertoire, maybe a jump set, and I'll tell them, hey, today – I want you to jump set and I'll see them do it and they'll lose and they'll get frustrated and and want to not do it again. But I just want to tell them, Hey, I love that you're competing, but it really doesn't matter that you win this drill. This drill is all to make you as a a better football player, you know, try some stuff out. Some of you, some of you older kids.
1: Yeah. I like that. I like that mindset or, you know, have a tackle, uh, you know, throw the lure out there, throw one hand, you know, the D lineman, uh, are taught to do their moves off, you know, hand movement off the punch. See, so throw that little hand up there, have them do the movement, snatch them up. Um, but yeah, that's that's awesome.
0: Did you th- did you throw an outside hand?
1: Hey, uh, I got to go, guys. Uh, I I really appreciate y'all having me on. Um, Clint'll Clint'll keep it going from here.
0: All right, we appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Chair yeah, Van Have a good one. Guys. Clint, you talked about throwing that lure out there. Were you an outside hand um, fake guy or are you an inside hand fake guy?
1: I was an outside hand because I, I always wanted to protect my inside. So.
0: I, was, I was the same way. And then, and then the other big question always seems to be, you know, it's either one way or the other, and it depends on the kid sometimes, but when you get the long arm, you know, it, into your chest and you got to get it off, were you a, a swipe it down or were you punch it up off of your chest?
1: I was more of a swipe it down cuz usually they go they go they go down pretty pretty quick but I I've, I've known people that are up swipers so they swipe them up
0: Yeah, or are you? what you? I was I was a punch it up because I don't know whenever I would try to swipe it down I'd go for the kill shot I'd get really high for some reason and I'd get you know bowled <laughs> even even worse so I I started just <laughs> I started treating that arm like, a, like it was their chest. And so if I got that, uh, that long arm, I'd just treat their arm as their chest, and I'd plant my, my uh, inside hand on that arm's elbow, and then I'd use my outside hand on the other part of their chest. So um, that was the most beneficial for me. Now, I didn't get as many kill shots, like you said, like you can get when you swipe down, but help me um, sit down that bull and get underneath it mo- the majority of the time when I could feel it coming.
2: I remember watching Clint a couple times, and, and Clint, you know, when you have a guy inside him, either a two or a two-eye, and he, and he jam set on him, and he'd punch the dude so hard. I remember he jolted a guy, and it wasn't like he punched him in the head. He hit a dude so hard in the chest, the guy's helmet came off. So, I mean, to me, that was always like, that was always like the, the initial thing for me. You're like, oh, okay, if I punch a guy that hard, he'll never, he'll never ever get to the quarterback. And, I mean, and, and you were always so pinpoint with your hands. I mean, explosive fast and, and you could find the spot that you wanted. Was that something, you know, you'd practiced or was it something you did with your eyes? I mean, what, what was one of the things you'd kind of say about having that explosive, you know, stopping power with your, your two-hand punch?
1: I, I was such an undersized offensive lineman. I felt like my punch had to be good or, or I was going to get my ass whooped because um, I couldn't, you know – I couldn't miss or, or, you know, I couldn't have a sloppy punch or a soft ass punch because I, I'd, I, I'd, uh, I'd get full rushed or, you know, pushed around. But uh, that probably plays a role into it. Um, you know, a lot of the times, you know, if, if, if I went against a, a D lineman that, you know, did his homework on me, um, you know, he'd get me lunging a little bit um, or, or, you know, maybe a, a, a push and pull or something, and get me out front. And I really had to uh, to sit back and and focus on my punch and and make sure it was violent without me getting getting ahead of myself. But uh, I, I think me being uh, really undersized is a big uh, had a, had a lot to do with my punch. We had a we had
0: an undersized guy at Houston that went. Um, I didn't play with him. He was already in the NFL. Rex Rex had not, and he came back and helped us uh, a couple of days. And his big thing with, with the bull rush, and it was something I always kept and it helped me and it helped my guys, is, is when he would start getting the bull rush and he'd have both hands on, all he would think about is, is obviously resetting his hips but cranking his elbows in really hard. And when he'd crank those elbows in, I, I don't know how it does it. I'm not you know a, a math guy, but um, somehow it changed all that leverage in, in cranking your elbows in somehow get you up underneath that defensive bull rush. And uh, when I started kind of implementing that, when I could get two hands on a bull rush, it it seemed to really help. Um, And, you know, I got that uh, from a smaller guy, in Rex had not.
1: Yeah, the Charles Bentley uh, preaches that, um, you know, to some of his guys. When you roll them elbows in on the bull rush, it it creates that leverage and and that anchor with that elbow being tucked in. they can't get pushed back, but yeah, that I, I wish I would have known that when I was playing. Uh, I always did the power hop, uh, and it, it worked, it worked but that elbow deal. I'd, I'd like to try it out on a live bull rush myself, but uh, it seems to work.
0: Um, I, I seem It seems to me like, and I always thought of myself as undersized, and now I get around other guys and and they all laugh at me because I guess I'm quite a bit bigger than they are. But I've always thought, um, I was a skinny guy in high school, but I've always thought that the undersized linemen or the undersized guys, and we've talked about it before, me you and know, Walls, but I always think they make some of the best coaches because they've had to get creative, and be perfect with everything that they do um, to be able to to get to play. You know, they weren't blessed with being huge and super athletic and, and just getting re- rolling out there and going. They've had to really sit around and obsess about it and think about every little thing that they could to give themselves a benefit over, you know, in most cases, a more athletic defensive alignment.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I think you got to play – a lot of undersized guys uh they they play with a chip on their shoulder um and 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 play with uh play with a lot of violence because you got to as an undersized guy um but yeah I can see how that carries over into coaching and and um you, you, your detail has to be perfect and and you got to <coughs> like I said the uh, you got to be violent man and 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 especially on run blocking and you know your your technique can be perfect but uh a lot of the times uh it's who wants it more you know and and it, if you if you're violent and you want it more and 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 you're undersized you you can still win it but uh like i said you you got to play with that chip on your shoulder and and, and it sounds like you know some coaches that coach that are uh, undersized. You know, kind of coach with a chip on their shoulder too. Coach that into these kids.
0: That's a great point. Um, I, you know, I I've had never thought of that. I, I really like that. Um, you talk about being you know vicious, being aggressive, and it seems like um, with football in general, they're kind of trying to slowly but surely take that out of the sport. Um, and, and I really just, I hate that. I wish, I remember back when I was a little kid and, and, you know, it's probably not the right thing to say, but I remember as long as the whistle hadn't blown, uh, if there's a defensive lineman standing around a pile, you went and cleaned them up and guys used to make charts of that and it was a big, you know, awesome thing and you cleaned somebody up around a pile because they weren't going 100%, 100% uh, till the whistle and that's on them. I, I kind of, you know, hate that they're getting away from it because it seemed like, you know, one of the ultimate parts of the sport was if you were more aggressive than the other person and you worked harder than them, then you were a better football player a lot of times.
1: Right. Um, you know, I I don't think they'll ever take the violence out of the game. Um, as an offensive lineman, man, that's, you, you, like I said, you, you got to play violent, man. And that's, that's huge and that's one thing I, I i i preach that uh that's big as offensive lineman and and i think a lot of uh you know college coaches look at that um you know if if it, because it, i think you either have the switch or you don't you can't coach it that's uh you know that's that's how you got to play the game you you got to play the game with a chip on your shoulder and uh you, you gotta wonder why they put this flat dick across from you. And and it doesn't matter if he's got polio or he's the damn uh you know best piece of a tackle in the nation, you're playing your game and you're playing hard, you got that chip on your shoulder, you're not gonna go easy on anybody. Um, you know, his grandma might be there watching him and his mom and dad, you know, it might be the only game that they get to come see, but you're you're gonna Show them that maybe he shouldn't have been playing football, and that's that's kind of what I try to put in my guys. Is that's how you got to play the game, and you got to play it with a violent uh, mentality. And and that's in my mind, that's 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 how you get recruited, and that's that that's how you're supposed to play the game.
0: That's interesting you say, and, and you know it's either one side of the coin or other, but you know you say that it's it's something that you think is tough, or or you maybe even you can't coach um, being you know, just mean physically, you either, you either have it or you don't walls. You've been in it a lot longer right. than I have. Is there, have you ever seen, I mean, have you seen some kids progress a, a little bit by being able to coach certain things into them or speak certain things into them? Or um, have you kind of seen the same thing that basically the kid has it or
2: they don't? I think, I think uh, th- there's going to be guys that obviously have uh, uh, a more of a nasty streak than the other ones. I just think some of these kids need someone to believe in them. Um, And if Mm -hmm. if you, if you believe in them, and I think that's, that's what Clint can do really well. That's what you can do really well. And I've, I've had chances to be able to do it. But if, if you, you let that kid know that you believe in him, it's going to be okay. And and you can go strike people. It's okay to to hurt people. You know, it's, it's okay to to get after people and be violent. I think once that they kind of, see that someone's on their side and you're speaking greatness into those people, I think you'll see, you'll see an impact. Now, if you got somebody and you're, you know, I'll I'll agree with Clint on that. There's, there's been guys where all the belief in the world and all the pushing in the world and all the motivation in the world, there's been some guys that it's absolutely not there, but I think it's kind of our obligation to at least, you know, show that belief in them until they prove it to you that they can't. Does that make sense? Right.
1: And, and yeah, and and we're not saying, uh, you know, me and Jared, don't say to be cheap you know you know play within the whistle but man this game is meant to be played with some violence uh some explosion and 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 you're allowed to knock people on the ground and you're allowed to uh you know fold people up and 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 hit them as hard as you can but be, between the whistle and and that's you know a part of the game that's kind of you have to tell them that it's okay. it's okay to do that it's okay to play with bi it's okay to pancake somebody. It's okay to double team somebody for fifteen yards and and plan him and 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 once you get a uh, an offensive line unit that you know they think it's cool that they have parents on the other team that are writing uh you know blogs and uh you know in the newspaper how dirty that offensive line is and 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 that that just motivates them um and and that's that's when you have something special a group of guys that people are scared of and 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 uh you know a group that's violent and, and it's cool to be violent and they're uh and and they're opening holes and, and hell if I'm a running back I'd I'd be buying them ice cream and and, and treats and stuff like that because it it's probably pretty easy to run behind a group like that but that's uh yeah like like wall said i mean just l- letting them know it's okay it's cool to do that it's it's cool to pancake a guy it's cool to you know drive a guy and 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 put him on the ground but uh, i think a lot of uh I, you know some people are going one way some people are going the other way on the on the uh, whole violence in football deal.
2: I just think once, once some of these kids get that taste for blood you know, and then that whole unit just kind of starts to, to feed off of it, it's almost just like a feeding frenzy. And, and, and Clint, right. you said it. Once, once these dudes understand that it is pretty fun and all of a sudden now I've got a little bit of swagger about us and people start being scared of, of what we can do to them, that stuff just snowballs. Mm-hmm. But they just get that, that confidence and that taste of it. I think you see a lot of these kids really blossom. I, I couldn't
0: agree more and and that's probably my favorite thing about the Anderson Academies is that you guys do preach that. And just in my, in my small world view, I, you just don't see many guys that, that train the small stuff like you guys do get into the physical part of the game. You know, they seem to be more, hey, it's just about technique. It's let's get our technique perfect, which you guys are about that. But then you're also speaking into the kids. Hey, go be physical, go be nasty as long as it's in between the whistle and it's legal because because that you know, like you said, sets fear in the other team, and it it gives you a confidence about yourself um, going into a game and it, and um you know you you touched on it that it gives your your teammates confidence in your group so so I love that sure. you guys bring that up and that you guys talk about that, even being a you know an academy that helps offensive linemen without pads, but you guys still get into that part. And I think that's a huge part that's missing uh, from a lot of camps, you know, other guys that are that are doing what you guys are doing. So I really appreciate that and you guys um, speaking that into kids. Uh, my last question is is kind of what I always try to leave off uh, with all of these is, if you're watching high school football or college football, um, which I'm sure you, you watch a ton of it because, you know, football fanatic and and obsessed with with the game and what would it be that that an offensive line that you're watching what would they do that would make you think extremely highly of their coach
1: well I mean we were just touching on it um well on their coach you know the uh I'd say a lot of the times picking up some blitzes um picking up a lot of uh different types of blitzes that's a direct relation. To their coach, and, uh, you know, another thing that I look at is uh, run blocking, man. If, if you can get guys uh, that can get a hat on a hat, get double teams, uh, get kicked off to linebackers, uh, you know, that, that stuff you know has been practiced. It's been practiced over and over and over again, and, and they go out there and they, uh, they get the job done. Um, I think that's a direct on the offensive line coach, and and uh, you know I, I can only imagine, you know, coaching a, a unit of guys, and and uh, it has to give you a warm fuzzy feeling, and you know, have that double team connect, you know, smash that guy on the ground, the other guy skates off and 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 hits the linebacker in the teeth, and 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 that ball spits for forty, um, you know, you you got to feel special and and. And watching that, you know, as an offensive lineman and as a you know coach at the Anderson O Line Academy, um, you know, of course we're just watching the offensive line and uh when we see that that's 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 the stuff I look at as uh you know, as a direct reflection of the offensive line coach.
0: Well, hey man, uh we really appreciate it. Uh hopefully hopefully it didn't take up too much of your time. I know you're you're driving uh, so, hopefully, we made it a little bit more interesting than, than you would have been driving by yourself for hours.
1: <laughs> no problem. I appreciate y'all having us on here, man, and, uh, and uh, yeah, I appreciate it. And Jared, Jared appreciates it, too. He's at the fire station working his ass off. But, uh, you know, uh, this is something special, and, and, and I'm glad y'all are doing this for uh, offensive linemen because, you know, we are a, a culture. Um, you, know, when one, you know, when one lineman meets another one, it doesn't matter if he's from Alaska and he meets a guy from Oklahoma. They're usually probably the same um, type of people, uh, hard workers, and, and uh, usually pretty funny guys. But, yeah, I appreciate you all having me.
0: Clint, it's always a pleasure, man. Always good to hear from you. <laughs> I want to give another huge thank you to our sponsor, Team Attack Academy. Go check them out at their website, which you can Google or see in the show notes. Help us out by rating our podcast in the Apple Podcast app or on the Google Play app. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the write review section of the podcast app. Review the podcast really quick for us, then leave your question or topic. This will help our podcast rating as well as allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Talk to you guys soon.